Just a reminder that this episode of Lockdown Tigers is brought to you by rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. What is up everybody? Welcome into Lockdown Tigers. I am your host Chris Castellani. It is Wednesday, June 3rd, six days away from my 25th birthday for anyone who cares. Monday's show was obviously a bit of a heavy one, not a whole lot of baseball being discussed, which I think is probably the reason why the response to it was non-existent, as has been the case for a lot of these episodes that I've been posting. And that's been discouraging because I, I've i been proud of a lot of what we've put out recently. It's This has been a very challenging time. I I knew this this job, this podcast, would be many things. I didn't think challenging would be necessarily one of them. I, I knew early on, you know, once I kind of once it was going to take me a minute to get my footing underneath me, I, I knew that might be tough. But after a while, I felt like I would get the hang of things, and the audience would start to grow, and it it hasn't. And that's I take some responsibility for that, but I think in large part, it's kind of just the the landscape of, of sports right now. That's kind of what's been responsible for it, the landscape of baseball. We haven't had any baseball. And there was a proposed plan, apparently, from the players talking about a potential 50-60 game schedule. I'd be shocked if we see 60 games this season. I, I think that's a very negotiable thing. I think if we're going to see baseball, which I keep going back and forth on right now, I'm kind of at like 50-50 about whether or not we're going to see it. If we are going to see it, I would be surprised if it, was, if it was anything less or anything more than 80 to 82 games. I feel like that's kind of the sweet spot right now. They're still negotiating. Not much to discuss when there is something in place. When there is a concrete thing in place, I will discuss it. But for right now, not much for me to talk about. But there is something that I can talk about, and that's that Tuesday the 2nd marked the 10-year anniversary of Armando Galarraga's near-perfect game Unbelievable that it's been 10 years. Unbelievable. Remember it like it was yesterday, very vividly, one of the most impactful, tragic, and yet surprisingly hopeful and and actually joyful moments in baseball history with the way it was handled in the aftermath. And I'm going to talk about that today, but before I dive into that particular game itself, I do want to give some background regarding Armando Galarraga himself. You know, Armando Galarraga was 28 years old at the time of his near-perfect game, but in many ways, he was still trying to find himself as a pitcher, and he'd kind of lost himself, honestly, trying to bounce back after a rough 2009 season. After appearing in three games with the Texas Rangers in 2007, he was traded to the Tigers prior to the 2008 season, and his first full season in the major leagues Galarraga exceeded expectations, went 13-7 and with a 3-7-3 ERA en route to a fourth-place finish in the American League Rookie of the Year voting. He was named Tigers Pitcher of the Year, and in 2008, which was one of the most disappointing seasons in Detroit Tigers history given the expectations, he was one of the few bright spots, and you wonder how high his ceiling would be. He threw slightly above average, but wasn't a particularly hard thrower necessarily. Not a lot of strikeouts. He was going to rely on his defense a lot of the time. He was a finesse pitcher, but considering the caliber of pitcher in Detroit at the time, guys like Verlander and Edwin Jackson and Rick Porcello, who was about to start his rookie campaign, you felt like if he could just be a number three or a number four starter in a rotation, uh, he'd do his job. 
Uh, sadly, that didn't happen in 2009. He struggled mightily. 6-10, and 10, a 5-6-4 ERA. By the end of the season, he'd been pretty much relegated to pitching me- meaningless innings out of the bullpen. Definitely a failed, underwhelming season for a guy who showed a lot of promise during his rookie campaign. Uh, I completely forgot about this, but in 2010, Galarraga started the season in AAA. He was not good in spring training whatsoever, and it cost him. He was looking like a guy who just might not even get back to the major leagues, or at least not find a a consistent spot in the rotation in the major leagues ever again. But in May, he was called up to pitch against the Red Sox. He got the win. He took the loss against the Dodgers six days later. He pitched out of the bullpen in a game after that. Then on June 2nd, 2010, his life and the lives of a few others changed forever. Like I said, Galarraga's goal was always to be a finesse pitcher. He wasn't going to blow you away with heaters. He was going to try to pound the zone. And it's kind of where he got into some trouble early in his career because for a guy who desperately wanted to get quick outs and keep the pitch count down, his walk rate wasn't really anything special. But that night in June against the Indians, it was perfect. I mean, he was throwing nothing but strikes and yet not giving up any hard contact. Only a few hard hit balls really all night. He was a revelation. I mean, it was the best case scenario regarding the kind of pitcher we thought Armando Galarraga could be following his successful rookie season. The most pitches he threw in an inning before the ninth inning was 11. 11 pitches was his longest inning. He was rolling. And through eight innings, it was the easiest perfect game I'd ever seen. I mean, he hadn't broken a sweat. The Indians hadn't grinded out a single at bat. They hadn't really hit a a hard ball all night. You know, a few line drives. Austin Jackson made a play out in center. But besides that, very little hard contact. They were completely stifled. It was so easy through eight innings that you were waiting for the other shoe to drop. Because every perfect game and every no-hitter has that moment. You know the moment I'm talking about. The moment where the pitcher gets a little bit lucky. But through eight, Galarraga had made his own luck. Until the first pitch of the ninth inning when Mark Gruzdalanik, hope I'm pronouncing that right, I believe I am, belted a ball to left center. Austin Jackson, the rookie, manning center field, made the play of his life. You know, I so wish StatCast were around back then so I could see just how much ground Jackson covered to get to that ball. He sprinted for it, got a great read on it, and made an unbelievable basket catch for the first out. At that point, it kind of felt like fate. Mike Redmond grounded out to short for the second out, and all that was left was Jason Donald, who hit a weak grounder to the first base side. Miguel Cabrera backhanded it, threw it to first to Armando Galarraga, who was covering the first base bag, and they got Donald by a full step. Except that wasn't the call. You know the story. First base umpire Jim Joyce called Donald safe, breaking up Galarraga's perfect game. Trevor Crowe grounded out to third for the final out of the game, but the damage was done. Mario Impemba, the longtime play-by-play guy on TV for the Detroit Tigers, described it best. He said, I've never been this disappointed after a Tigers win. And that perfectly encapsulated how all of us were feeling. I mean, this was a clear call, and Jim Joyce missed it. People were furious. The players were furious. The broadcasters were furious. Admit it. If you were watching that game at the time, you were furious too. You had some horrible thoughts circling in your head regarding Jim Joyce. The only guy who wasn't furious was Armando Galarraga. 
and I'm going to talk more about his reaction and the aftermath of this call next. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even a new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Built Bars are tasty. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. 16 amazing flavors, 8 chocolate nut flavors, 8 chocolate nut free flavors, it says so on the packaging. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. I had my very first one just the other day, the peanut butter brownie one. And unlike a lot of other protein bars, which have a little bit of crunch to them, these, they really do melt in your mouth. And Built Bars are healthy too. Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy or girl. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Look at uh, something like the peanut butter brownie, the one I just talked about. That's 20 grams of protein, 170 calories, 3 grams of sugar, 3 grams net carbs. You can try them today, but we have a special offer as well. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. And we are back. So like I said, everyone was so upset after this game. And I look, understandably so. I was extremely frustrated and upset. Uh, we all were. It was it was a really sad moment. It was a- extremely sad that to see a guy have a, a once-in-a-life, once-in-a-million-lifetime opportunity taken away from him because of a bad call. But I, I will say... Something really kind of beautiful came out of it, I, I, and this is so unlike me, you know, Mister Negative. But I, I, I really did take a lot of positives out of what was a really unfortunate situation at the time. First of all, I have to say, and I always preface this whenever I talk about this man, but I think it's important to be said: Jim Joyce, year in and year out, was voted like one of the best umpires in baseball. Like he had a very long successful career as a major league umpire. He really did. I mean, he made, and even after this, he he continued to have a successful career. He made the the obstruction call in the walk-off of game three of the 2013 World Series, a really gutsy call that a lot of umpires might not have made, but it was the correct call. I, you know, I always bring that up because I think it's sad that a guy's whole existence, his whole career, a successful career, honestly, is defined by one really awful mistake. You have to give the guy credit right away he admitted to his mistake. And look, when you make a, a horrific mistake or, or even a small mistake, 
the best thing you can do right away is admit your wrongdoing. And he did. He said, I, I missed it. I kicked the call. I cost the guy a perfect game. I'm really sorry. I'm sorry to Armando Galarraga. I'm sorry to the fans. I'm sorry to the Tigers. And I, to this day, really appreciate that. Because we have seen before, in other instances in which an umpire has made an egregious call, obviously the, these circumstances were one in a billion, but we've seen circumstances where an ump has made a terrible call and said, no, I, I don't take back what I did. I, I I called what I called. I, I don't take it back. This was a guy who owned up to it, and that was there was that was true humility. And I always will respect Jim Joyce, the man, for doing that. And then there was Armando Galarraga, who was surrounded by this fire, essentially. These people who were just seething. I mean, you I remember this stuff, the post games and the ESPN coverage. People were talking about this event through gritted teeth. They were furious. They were talking about it like they were out for blood. And then you had Armando Galarraga, who was talking about this moment as if someone had just accidentally taken the last cookie out of the cookie jar. He was so laid back about the whole thing. And what, what I came to realize is that there was a level of of self-appreciation and a, a level of humility, like I said with Joyce, but even more so with Galarraga, that came with his reaction to this play. Because what he said was, yeah, he, he missed the call. It was a bad call. I accept his apology. I, I wish it, it would have ended differently, but I know what I did. I went out there. I retired 28 consecutive batters. Nobody else can ever say that. I mean, that's actually impossible, but I technically did it. And I, I can't tell you how much I respected the guy for that because in all honesty, think about it. Armando Galarraga, outside of this play, which was a huge moment. But in the grand scheme of baseball, in terms of his accomplishments as a player, was a, maybe a little bit more than a blip on the radar. He was just some guy. He was one of those guys before this, if you brought up his name, you'd say, hey, you remember Armando Galarraga? And somebody would say, oh yeah, yeah. Didn't he pitch for the Tigers for a little while? He had that one all right season. He, well, he wasn't terrible. He was just going to be one of those guys. But he was immortalized with this moment. And to me, even more so with how he reacted to it because we all we all try to act like we don't need our accomplishments officially acknowledged by other people that we can be so content within ourselves that we can do something special and just feel that sort of self contentment but most of us lie about that most of us need some sort of acknowledgement just to be able to to move on and exist in their lives and feel like they've done something worthwhile this was a guy who had some who did everything right who was perfect and had something taken away from him and yet went about his business the same way that I think he would have if Jim Joyce would have made the correct call. And there's a level of humility for that that I, I more so than anything in this whole situation, uh, I took away an incredible amount of respect for both those gentlemen. Now, obviously, you know how it went down the next day. Armando Galarraga brought out the lineup card to a very tearful Jim Joyce who that game was behind home plate. Really a surreal, surreal moment. And one of those moments, even 14-year-old Chris about to graduate eighth grade and move on to high school, even he knew in that moment that this was a, a very historically relevant moment in baseball history. And 10 years later, I know a lot of people who are still really mad and mad at Jim Joyce. My, my dad was talking about it at the, at the dinner table last night. He was still saying, no matter what, he should have called him out. It was a perfect game. I don't necessarily agree with that, but he's entitled to his opinion. Uh, there's still people who are angry at, at that whole situation. 
I, I feel no anger towards Jim Joyce anymore. I think he was a good umpire, a good man who made a mistake and owned up to his mistake. There's no reason to feel any anger toward Armando Galarraga, even though it was kind of amazing how how nonchalant he was about something as important as a perfect game. Where my anger does lie 10 years later is at Major League Baseball because Major League Baseball and all sports, unless you're going to have chaos, you need umpires and referees and officials in place. And with that is going to come human error. That is going to happen in every sport. That's understandable. But other sports in 2010 had a fail-safe, had a system in place to make sure that if there was an egregious call or an egregious no-call, that it could be fixed because of the replay system that was in place. The fact that in 2010, a major sport in this country didn't have any sort of instant replay system in place was a disgrace. And it cost Jim Joyce to a lot of people, his reputation. When you think of him, you think about the guy who, who cost Armando Galarraga his perfect game. And that's that's a shame because he was a good guy and he was a good umpire and he did a lot of things right in his career. Voted almost year in and year out as one of the best in baseball. And I don't blame him for this moment. I blame Major League Baseball because yes, was this moment one in a billion without a doubt. But when you play so many different baseball games and there are so many different plays that have so many possible outcomes, eventually, if you roll the dice enough, you're going to land on a situation like this where a perfect game was taken away by a guy. And I think that it's really, it's kind of sad. That's the only thing about this whole situation that I find sad is the fact that there was no failsafe. Jim Joyce and every other umpire in baseball up until 20. 13, 2014 was on an island. The system was set up essentially so that something like this was going to happen eventually. And it's sad that it happened to one of the better umpires in baseball. And it's even more sad that it happened to a guy in Armando Galarraga who pitched an immaculate game. He was unbelievable on this night. Now there's been talk recently. Tony Paul has even written a book about this game. And, and there's been talk about officially changing this game to an official perfect game, I, I could take it or leave it. You know, to me, it is a perfect game. You know, the, the aftermath of it, we, we know what happened. And, and yes, it was, to this day, will always be sad that he didn't get a chance to officially celebrate it. And if Armando Galarraga, who does have every right to be angry at Major League Baseball for this, if he was more gung-ho about it, if he was more passionate about it, I might be a bit more passionate and say, you know what, no, go back, let's change it. It's been 10 years, it's been long enough. But in all honesty, to me, it's 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 water under the bridge at this point. And that is very strange for me, somebody who holds on to things for a very long time. But I don't know, there was something even in the aftermath of some of the awfulness that there was something very sweet and kind of pure about uh, the humility that came from from both these men in the aftermath of it. And as controversial as this moment was and deservedly so, uh, I look at it as weirdly kind of a beautiful thing. The fact that something so awful and so sad could end up leading to something very pure and, and kind of sweet. I think that speaks to the power of baseball, a sport that I desperately, desperately want to see back and running again here soon. So that's going to do it for Wednesday's show. You can follow me 
on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. You can follow this show on Twitter at Lockdown Tigers. Let's get to 1,000 followers on there. Come on. I got 15,000 on my personal account. Let's bump it up well past 1,000 on the Lockdown Tigers account. I'll be doing an, a, a mailbag segment on Friday. You can send those questions to this show's Gmail account, Tigers at gmail.com. Send me those questions for the mailbag segment. And if you're feeling kind, go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, leave a positive review of this show. It would be much, much appreciated. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great rest of your day and go Tigers.